Welcome to an on-the-job training tidbit. In this episode, we're going to be covering advanced rigging theory. What is a hazard? A hazard is a situation or thing that could cause harm. So what is a risk? The consequences and likelihood of a hazard causing harm. So if you think about it, one it hasn't happened yet. So think about a downed power line. Nothing's happened yet, there's just the power line on the ground. But what could happen? That's the risk. The risks are electrocution, damage to plant, humans or livestock, and things like that. If we break down duty of care to its most simplest form, what two things does a duty of care mean? Protect yourself from harm and protect others from harm. If you were found to be working unsafely when on site performing advanced rigging, what are three things that a workplace health and safety inspector could possibly do to take action against you? Suspend your license, cancel your license, or order reassessment or retraining. So when we're out doing some advanced rigging, we need to be able to put our hands on the safety information in order to do our jobs correctly. What would be three documented sources of safety information. Think SAC. SWIMS, Australian Standards and Codes of Practice. An employer has obligations to ensure the health and safety of all of their workers on site. What are three things they have to provide in order to achieve this? Think safe, safe, safe. Safe systems of work, safe plant structures, and a safe work environment. So if an employer asks you to undertake an unfamiliar task or a unfamiliar site, how can they ensure your safety? What th- couple of things that they can provide you with? Think SIT. Supervision, instruction, and training. Once we've covered off all of the planning for our hazards and controls, what would be some things that aren't hazards and controls that we need to consider when planning on installing a flying fox? So we have access. Access, communication, capacity, equipment, site specifics, and swims. Part of advanced rigging tasks might be working around power lines. In Queensland, what are the minimum safe work distances for access around power lines? So we have up to 132 kilovolt, 3 metres. Between 132 and 220, 4.5 metres. Between 220 and 275 kilovolts, 5 metres. And anything above 275 kilovolts, 6 metres. So 3, 4.5, 5 and 6. If we need to work closer than those minimum safe distances, how can we achieve this? We either need to insulate, isolate or employ qualified spotters. What would be some things that are used to warn us that there's power lines in the area? What are some visual things that we can look for? 
tiger tails, marker balls, and flagging. All right, let's talk about some gin poles, derricks, and shear legs. What would be the maximum angle you can have a shear leg positioned from vertical? 15 degrees. How can we allow derricks to revolve? So like how can we get them to slew? Fit a swivel to the masthead and attach stays to the swivel. Talking about stays, what's the minimum amount that we can use to support a guide derrick? Six. And when we connect multiple uh, stays, how do we position them around the mast? Equally. What is the maximum forward lean measured from the vertical on a gin or derrick? 1 in 10, or for every 10 metres of height, you can have a maximum forward lean of 1 metre. What is the minimum construction of the flexible steel wire ropes used in guys on gins or derrick poles? 6 by 19. Alright, for this next uh, bit of information, we're going to talk about flying foxes. And I just want you to pitch a, picture a flying fox set up in your head. And we're just going to go through some of the components we might find on a flying fox. So we're going to have anchor wires or anchorage wires, side guys, traverse rope or trolley rope, the hoist rope or haul rope, the bottom block and the top block. If we're using gin poles or any kind of pole system at either end of the flying fox, what's the maximum side slope from the vertical? One in five. What's the ratio of the main tracking cable's working load limit? In other words, what's our safety factor for braking strength on the main cable? One in six. All right, let's talk about span ropes. What is the smallest recommended diameter of a sheave used in a fox block? Ten times the span rope diameter. If we're using a span rope, what's the smallest fact, uh, safety factor we can use for reeving ropes or any ropes that have a sharp bend or point of load attachment? Safety factor of six. What is the minimum sag allowed in a span rope? 5% of the span length. And what happens as the sag gets smaller? The tension increases. Okay, let's talk about hung scaffs or droppies. If we're using a wire rope or a chain to support a droppy, what is the rated safety factor for any chains or ropes used to support that drop scaffold? Six times the rated capacity. If we're installing ladders to access what is the minimum ratio of slope and what is the maximum slope? Minimum, 4 to 1. Maximum, 6 to 1. And how high must that ladder extend past the landing that you're using to access? 900 millimetres. If we haven't yet finished the installation of a scaffold and we need to leave it overnight or unattended, what are some control measures we can put in place to make sure that we have no unauthorised access? 
So we either need to remove access, isolate or barricade. And we also need to install uh, signage or tags to indicate that we have incomplete scaffold. Once the hung scaffold's fully built and in place, what do we need to provide to the site? A handover certificate. And who is responsible for ensuring that that scaffolding is done compliantly and completing that handover certificate? A competent person. What would be considered suspended scaffolding? Swing stages, double ropes, suspended platforms, or bosun's chairs? What are two components that prevent girder trolleys moving out of alignment on a suspended scaffold? tie bars and plan bracing? And what is used to prevent trolleys running off the end of a girder? Through bolted stops. All right, picture in your head a swing stage installed. I want you to think about the components that we've got. So we have counterweights, suspension and secondary ropes, Usually we'll find an electric or manual scaffolding hoist. We'll have the cradle, a power cable, and counterweight needles. On a swing stage, what device stops the hoist from overloading? A load limiter. Part of installing a swing stage is making sure that the swing stage is compliant. So as an advanced rigger, we generally refer to the data plate. What information would we look for on that data plate to make sure that it's a compliant swing stage? There are many things we can look at, but we should see information such as type, the model of the swing stage, its serial number, who the manufacturer was, a manufacturer's serial number, details of the wire rope that can be used in the swing stage, the rated capacity, any power requirements, and any instructions on the reeving. What is the allowable slope in swing stages? Three degrees in all directions, unless otherwise specifically designed by the manufacturer. If we ever need to change out a rope on a swing stage, why is it critical that we use the rope that is exactly the same construction and size? To avoid damaging the rope and to avoid damaging the sheaves. Why do we have a secondary rope on each needle? To make sure if there's a failure of the primary rope that everyone's going to remain safe. If we have to install stabilizing sheaves above the platform, what is the minimum height of those sheaves? Two meters. What are two methods we can use to secure the roof rig to a supporting structure for a suspended scaffold? Through bolts, props, bracket bolts, or counterweights. What can we use to counterweight a needle?
They have to be approved, designed, in other words, have a design registration or an engineered counterweight created by the manufacturer with their weights permanently marked on them. And how do the counterweights need to be fixed to the needle? They either need to be locked or put on there with a device that requires a tool to remove. So they cannot be taken off at any time without a secure key lock system. What is the maximum rope tension we can put on any component used on a secondary or primary rope? 80%. So maximum rope tension has to be 80% of the working load limit. What's the maximum setting for our load limiting devices? 1.25 times the working load limit of the hoist. So what's the purpose of using spreader bars or spacer ties when we're using suspended scaffold needles or trolleys? To prevent movement. And how many full turns of rope needs to remain on a drum when a drum type scaffolding hoist is used at its lowest point? Three full turns. If at any time you think it's likely that debris could possibly fall into the cradle from above on top of the workers, what needs to be installed to the cradle? Suitable overhead protection. And if it's possible for anything to fall from the swing stage, what are two control measures we can put in place? We could put in exclusion zones, catch nets, hoarding, or overhead protection. What are two things that we need to consider when using a fall arrest harness? Condition of the harness, anchor point ratings, maximum fall distance, or sharp edges. Who's able to assess intended loadings on structures for suspended scaffold? So who can sign off on the engineering for the installation of a swing stage? Qualified engineer. If at any time we use a sling that's choked to support a suspension rope, what's the maximum rope tension allowed then? 40% of the working load limit. And how can we prevent shackle pins from unwinding? We can either mouse them or use a locking device. All right, that concludes our theory component of the Advanced Rigging Podcast. We'll just do a quick review of our formulas. So let's have a look at the gin pole formulas. What's the formula for the minimum distance between the heel of the pole and the back guy anchor? Pole height times 1.5. What is the formula for the maximum forward lean of a gin pole? Pole height times 0.1 or pole height divide 10. How do I work out or what's the formula for the total head load on the pole head? Total load plus load in the lead rope. What would be the formula for tension in the back guy? 
total head load times the forward lean divided by the shortest radius. What is the formula for working out the diameter of flexible steel wire rope to be used in the back guy? So diameter is equal to tension in the back guy divided by 8 square rooted. What about the compression formula for the compression load in the gin pole? Total head load times 1.125. Okay, let's talk span line calculations. What's the formula for minimum sag? Span times 0.05 or span divide 20. And then what's the formula for the tension? Total head load times span divided by 4 times sag or total head load times span divided by 4 divided by sag. We'll talk now for the swing stage formulas. So what is the formula for maximum rope tension in a swing stage? Working load limit of the hoist times 1.25 plus the total rope used weight plus the stabilizing weights. What is the formula for the number of counterweights required? So it's the maximum rope tension times outboard divided by the inboard times three. That will give you the total weight required and then you divide that number by the weight of a single counterweight to determine the number of counterweights required. What is the formula for the minimum guaranteed breaking load of the flexible steel wire rope? Working load limit of the hoist times 10. All right, that concludes our advanced rigging podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're not quite there yet where you can answer as quick as I'm asking the questions, just keep listening over and over again. And, uh, yeah, I hope this helps out with your studies. Anyways, catch you later.